Why are Christians acting like Jews? Christian, no Jewish background, who has a six-point star of David tambourine <laughs> in the back of your church, and because the pastor is non-confrontational, continues to play that tambourine every week during worship. Do I believe that a Christian needs to start praying in Hebrew or keeping the Sabbath every Friday night and Saturday, or eating kosher, or wearing a prayer shawl when they pray, or keeping the Jewish feast? No, I don't. Is there an invitation there? There's absolutely an invitation. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world and the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. If you are listening to this podcast, this is season two. So if you missed last season, go check that out. Uh, this season, one thing new we're doing is we're recording these uh, episodes on YouTube also, so you can watch us if you would like. Um, if you do follow us that way, please like and subscribe. That helps us uh, reach more people who care deeply about Israel and the Jewish people. Um, today we have a topic, Ezra, that I'm excited about, which is why are Christians acting like Jews? Right. And people might be wondering why I'm excited about that. But uh, before you turn off the podcast, hear us out. Uh, you may see Christians lighting Hanukkah candles, praying with a prayer shawl, putting up a mezuzah. Um, and you might wonder, are they confused or what are they doing? We will get to this today as we talk about, um, you know, why you see Christians, quote unquote, acting like Jews. Right. And maybe you've seen, I mean, let me be a little more extreme, but I, mine eyes have seen, Carly, the Christian, no Jewish background, who has a six-point star of David tambourine <laughs> in the back of your church, and because the pastor is non-confrontational, continues to play that tambourine every week during worship, and then to close the worship service uninvited with a shofar. I know I'm being a little bit extreme, but these things happen. Uh, or you have other people who say, you know what, Jesus was Jewish, and I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore that makes me Jewish, so I am. Yep. And you're going, huh? And some of you listening are going, yeah, I've seen these weirdos. I want to understand about it. So weirdos was a loaded term. They're not weirdos. We're going to talk about what's good and what maybe you know, should be examined. And some of you are already pre-offended. Like, what's the problem with that? And I'm doing what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing to worship God. And what's the issue? So what if I align with the Jewish people? We're going to try to, to unpack that today. Uh, in, in this episode. But don't be offended. As Carly said, don't turn off the episode. Uh, hopefully you'll learn something. Yep. So before we get into that, we just want to remind you, as always, that if you want to uh, support us in the work we're doing among Jewish people around the world, specifically in some of the remote, some of the most remote areas um, as we bring humanitarian aid and the gospel, um, you can do that by going to our website, ajewandagentildiscuss.org. Um, and to thank you for your partnership, we will send you a bag of our Lost Tribes coffee, which comes directly from Ethiopia. Um, and you can also enter for a chance to get that coffee for free if you stay tuned to the end of this podcast. Um, so again, a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. So now let's get into the topic. Let's discuss. So if you listen to the first episode of this season, we actually go through the entire Pew Research survey that talks about uh, Jewish Americans. Um, and we talk about the way that they categorize Jewish Americans, how many they are in the population. But there's one category in that survey um, that's called Jewish affinity. Um, and Ezra, I'll let you explain what that is, but that's, it represents about just under one and a half million adults. Right. So the way that the Pew survey categorizes this is people who don't have a Jewish parent, uh, which likely means they 
in, in most cases, let's say, don't have a Jewish grandparent necessarily. Mm -hmm. They might, but uh, not that we know of, at least don't have a Jewish parent. So not a direct descendant of a Jewish person. Uh, and who don't formally ascribe to a religious Jewish community. So that could be a conservative synagogue, that could be an Orthodox community, whatever, not formally participating in the Jewish religion, but uh, I'm going to use Pew language here, who consider themselves to be Jewish in some other way. For example, ethnically, culturally, or because of family background. Mm -hmm. So another uh, example we didn't bring up, Carly, is you know with with. DNA and family history through DNA becoming more and more popular, I'm having conversations more and more with people who are coming, uh, many from the Christian community, various uh, denominations within the Christian community, and others not from the Christian community, who either are or aren't believers in Jesus, who say, uh, hey, I did the, the, you know, such and such DNA history, family finder, whatever, yeah. and I found out that Ten generations ago, my step aunt was Jewish. I'm being, or even let, let's be. That was a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek. But I found out that eight generations ago, one of, you know, my my great 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 grandfather uh, was Jewish. Okay, so there's there's Jewish heritage, if you will, eight generations back. Mm -hmm. And so some of those people, out of excitement over this great news that they found, start saying. I'm Jewish. Again, no recent Jewish background. Their family never talked about it. Parents didn't talk about it. Their memories of their grandparents, grandparents never talked about it or identified as such. But all of a sudden now, this person's walking around saying, I found out I'm Jewish. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that would be another category of people who uh, the Pew survey called Jewish affinity. Right. So identifying somehow in some realm, in some aspect as Jewish, though not formally religiously, and not immediately as a descendant, not immediately ethnically right. as Jewish. And as you said, 1.5 million Americans. Now that's, I mean, let's roughly here, you know, the mathematicians can, can be more exact than I'm being, but line up every American, one in 180 have no Jewish parent, aren't part of the religious Jewish community, and yet on some level would identify as Jewish. Mm -hmm. Now and is this, go ahead. What's interesting, Ezra, is of those 100 and, uh, what do we say, 1.5 million, right. two-thirds of them identify as Christian. Yeah, between 1.4 and 1.5 million Americans are identified as Jewish affinity in the Pew survey. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds, meaning about a million American Christians yep. are, when, when surveyed by Pew, yeah. Saying, yeah, on some level, I'm Jewish. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I look at that and I go, what? But then I think about all the stories we're talking about, the tambourine players and the shofar yeah. blowers and the DNA testers and you know the spouses of Jewish uh, of American Jews. You know, we'll talk more about that in a couple minutes. But and I go, wait a minute, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. About a million people in American churches. Yeah. Now maybe you're listening because you are one of those a million people. We'll talk about that. Uh, we're not discouraging you. We're going to share what we feel like is is true and something that we can affirm about that, and other things that maybe just need to be looked at carefully in that regard. Mm -hmm. But maybe you're uh, you're from a Christian background and you're listening, going, "Yeah, those people confuse me and maybe weird me out, and maybe I'm a little offended if I'm being honest, because what are they gaining by saying that that they can't gain by saying I'm just a follower of Jesus?" Right. So, 
And something we've talked about a lot on this podcast, you know, you might be wondering, like, how are the, how do these people get to this Jewish affinity point? Is mixed marriages. Right. So last last season we did a few episodes on um, mixed marriages mm -hmm. and talked about that. But uh, do you think that that contributes to this million people who have Jewish affinity and are Christian? Yeah, and I would say that's good and right. For somebody, you know, let, let's say I, I come from a, a Catholic background and I marry somebody who's Jewish. Somebody who, according to the Pew survey, is, is counted as part of those, those millions of American uh, Jewish people. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Should I now say, as a Catholic, I'm Jewish? No, but but is it reasonable for me to say, look, I'm, I have a Jewish spouse. Right. I'm raising kids that either we're saying are partly Jewish, or I'm raising kids who we're raising as Jewish kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, on some level, now I'm identified with the Jewish community. On some level, either now, let's say, culturally, religiously, I'm Jewish, even if ethnically, I'm not. I think that's great. I mean, it would be it would be weird on the, if people are going, well, I don't know if that's great. Let's look at the other alternative. My spouse is Jewish and my kids are Jewish, but I have nothing to do with it and want nothing to do with it. I am yeah. completely disassociated. Well, that's not so great either, right? That's yeah. a little bit weird. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, that's something that we can recognize, you know, these a million American Christians. If 61% of American Jews right now, this decade, are marrying non-Jews, then I'd say it's likely, Carly, that a, a sizable chunk of these million American Christians who identify on some level as Jewish have a Jewish spouse. Right. And, and good for them. That's a hard road to walk. That's part of what we're talking about on this podcast. We've interviewed couples who are in mixed marriages. One is Jewish and the other isn't Jewish, not from a Jewish background, and how they work that out. As you said, listen to season one, listen to that content. Uh, it's a hard road to walk, but good for you for associating rather than disassociating. Yep. Yep. So now that we've kind of identified who we're going to talk about, this what the Pew survey calls Jewish affinity, mm -hmm. but we're kind of calling Christians who act like Jews, you know, kind right. of Right, for the sake of an inflammatory here. podcast title, which is what we do. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the facts. Obviously, Jesus did not fall into Jewish affinity. Right. Um, but he was Jewish. And we see that in the Bible from his uh, lineage in Matthew. It, it states that uh, directly, the son of David, the son of Abraham, etc., you know, what are some other examples in the Bible where we see that Jesus, you know, he was Jewish? That, I know that's something that some Christians totally know, yep, Jesus was Jewish, and others, that's new for them to hear. Right. I mean, the whole Gospels are a Jewish context, right? This is Jesus showing up on the scene when the people of Israel, or if you will, the nation, it wasn't a political nation of Israel at that time. It right. was sort of a, a region of the Roman Empire, but if you will, the people of Israel representing the nation, uh, you know, a nation made of people of Israel are under Roman occupation. Uh, we all know the story, but that's, that's the Christmas story. You know, we're recording right. this kind of at the beginning of the year, Carly, but we just went through the Christmas story. The Christmas story is the Jewish Messiah showing up to the Jewish people when the Jewish nation is under occupation by another uh, entity, but the whole context of the Gospels, all the parables that Jesus is telling, everywhere he goes, when he chooses to go there, why he's choosing to go there, when he's in the temple and for what reason, are a Jewish context because he was a Jewish man and he was a leader in the Jewish community, a rabbi. We see that a couple times, right? Yep. Some of the people Jesus is ministering to in these dramatic one-on-one -on -one accounts are saying rabbi or rabboni. It's even a more intimate term. Not just you're a rabbi, but you're my rabbi, you're mm -hmm. my teacher. And mm -hmm. we could do a whole, you know, 16 podcast episodes on that. But the point is the context is Jesus was Jewish and now I'll be super inflammatory. Jesus is Jewish. Ezra, why did you say it that way? The resurrected Messiah 
who tasted death for the sake of being the atoning sacrifice for your and my sin, Jew and Gentile. There's no difference. We've all fallen short in sin and come short of the glory of God. We see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now sits beside the Father in heaven in a resurrected body as a Jewish man. And he's coming back as the King of Israel and the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and the ruler of all nations. One of the things we're just going to continue to unapologetically say, at least I will, Carly might disagree and we'll discuss, but I'm saying it, is that Jesus not only was Jewish, Jesus is Jewish. Jesus wasn't, was a Jew until he showed up on the scene and invented his own religious system called Christianity. Right. Jesus came to fulfill the Torah and the prophets using his own language here. And, and one of the words we keep saying is Jew, Jewish people, Jewish. Right. Where does that word come from? You know, every podcast, we have some Hebrew word that you right. say that our listeners are learning, so we can't go this right. podcast without you answering right. that. Okay, so Jewish or, uh, you know, a Jew, maybe uh, more PC these days would be to say a Jewish person. So it's identifying with the people, not just putting a label on an individual, but a Jew or a Jewish person, that comes from uh, a Hebrew word called Yehuda, and that means praise. Actually, Judah, remember the 12 tribes of Israel who are the 12 sons of Jacob, 13 actually with Ephraim and Manasseh, but anyway, uh, that's a story for another day. So one of these sons of Jacob is named Yehuda, and we see in the Bible Judah. And that's where Jewish comes from, but it's actually Yehuda, and it means praise. Now, why do we call all the Jewish people worldwide, uh, if you will, anybody from the 12 tribes of Israel Jewish, if that was only one tribe? And real quickly, it gets into this whole uh, complicated business of the kingdoms dividing after David and Solomon into what was called the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, 10 northern tribes, and then those who are left in and around Jerusalem, which was Judah and Benjamin, and then a bunch of Levites also. And because those 10 northern tribes were exiled into what seemed like being lost on the world scene, assimilation, destruction, annihilation, whatever, uh, until recently it was, it was thought that, yeah, you have these promises of God to regather the whole house of Israel, but 10 of those 12 tribes have been lost forever and there's nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. So let's identify the Jewish people by those who are still recognizable, Judah, Benjamin, and Levi, Yehuda, Jewish, Judah, Jewish, that, that's the connection. Now, we know, and a big part of you know, what you and I are involved in at Jewish Voice, Carly, is that in the last century, even the last couple centuries, emerging on the world scene are these people who don't call themselves Jewish because they left Israel before that term ever existed. And in Israel, in modern Hebrew, it's still, if I was to say, I'm Jewish, I would say, Ani Yehudi, mm -hmm. like from Yehuda. I'm associating myself with the tribe of Judah from this southern kingdom, and that's how I identify with, you know, as part of the Jewish people. But now you have these other tribes like Zebulun, like Dan, like groups who identify as historically uh, from God, not God G-O-D, God G-A-D, mm -hmm. the tribe of God. And then you have a group, for example, in northeast India called the Bnei Menashe, sons of Menashe, sons of Manasseh. So now you have emerging in the world consciousness, world awareness, all these people who don't say, I'm Jewish, they say, I am Israel. Hmm. Carly, that's the, the Lemba who we've met in Zimbabwe. I know we're a little bit off topic, but we'll come back. All of this about the idea of being counted as Jewish versus Jewish affinity. Uh, when we talk to the Lemba, they don't say, I'm Jewish. They'd, they said two things to us. They said, we are Israel, three things actually. We are Israel because we come from Israel. Or we are Judah because they didn't know the word Jewish or we are the sons of Aaron, because the Lemba community identify historically as, as 
Cohen's as Kohanim, mm -hmm. uh, high priests, descendants of the high priestly tribe in the, in, the, in the larger tribe of Levi, and their DNA evidence more recently confirmed that overwhelmingly so. But my point there was to say you have this whole segment of the worldwide Jewish community emerging now, which a lot of people use the term lost tribes or scattered Jewish communities who don't say I'm Jewish because they don't know the word. It came about after mm -hmm. they left the land of right. Israel. They just say, I am Israel. Right. But and by for, the way, the Lemba are a community in Zimbabwe. That's right. Zimbabwe, Southern Africa. Sorry, I didn't say that. They're not in Baltimore, though I'm sure yeah. some of them are. They've got the visa. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the Lemba are a community who still maintain a Jewish identity in Zimbabwe, but they won't use that term. They'll say, we are Israel. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So the term Jewish now applies to the worldwide Jewish community, but yeah. we can say it's really applying to Am Israel, the people of Israel, right. worldwide, wherever they may right. be. Right. Okay, so kind of getting back to Jesus, you know, uh, growing up, I had one of those WWJD bracelets, right. what would Jesus do? And um, there's lots of things that Jesus does in the Bible, according to his Jewish lifestyle mm -hmm. and the fact that he was a Jewish man. So he abided by the Jewish law. He taught in the synagogue. Um, he taught others to keep the law. He observed the feasts. Right. Um, so some Christians might look at Jesus and say, okay, those were the things Jesus did, so maybe I should do some of these things. Right. Um, but there's a difference, and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, um, between an invitation to do these things and an obligation to do these things. Right. And you said we've talked about it in other episodes. I'd say listen to those to get the full kind of apologetic for this. But let me summarize this idea in Scripture that God set apart the Jewish people not because we're better. He actually says it's not because you were better or stronger or larger. You're the weakest, the worst, the most stubborn neck, stubborn and you know stiff-necked people on the face of the earth. But I love you, so I'm setting you apart unto my glory and for the sake of my name. And I'm putting these 613 commandments through Moses upon you as this is the way that you represent my holiness and my desire to connect with mankind to all the peoples on the face of the earth. Right. So Christians or people who are kind of entering, entering the kingdom, entering the faith community through faith in Jesus, I'll, use, I'll pull on Paul's language for a minute, are branches that are grafted into this olive tree whose root is Israel. But does that mean that it's incumbent upon Christians to now obey the 613 commandments? Well, wait a minute. If the prophets and Jesus himself are clear that despite our best efforts, Jewish people can't fulfill all those 613 commandments, let alone that hundreds of them are not fulfillable today anyway because there's no temple standing in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and so there's no sacrifice system of livestock, uh, or priests ministering up there, then, then we need to be careful about saying that it's now incumbent upon Christians to act like Jews, to fulfill the Torah, to keep the commandments that were given to Israel and the Jewish people. And I think an important distinction here, Carly, is, is invitation versus obligation. Do I believe, I'll be super bold here, that it's, it's an obligation, it's incumbent upon people identifying as Jewish, religiously Jewish, ethnically Jewish, uh, like myself, uh, to for example, keep the Shabbat, the Sabbath, every Friday night and Saturday, to uh, live as a Jewish person, to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is also you know, uh, personified in Jesus, the express image of God, right. uh, to do that through faith in Jesus? I absolutely do. Do I believe that a Christian needs to start praying in Hebrew or keeping the Sabbath every Friday night and Saturday or eating kosher or wearing a prayer shawl when they pray or keeping the Jewish feasts? No, I don't. Is there an invitation there where they can experience part of the, Paul says, the fatness of the root of the olive tree, mm -hmm. which is the, the worldwide community of followers of Jesus? 
uh, rooted in, in, in Israel? Sure I do. There's an, absolutely an invitation. But invitation and obligation are two different things. Right. So that's where I would draw the line. So some of the things you just named, and I'll name a, a couple others, is there, is there a line between, you know, yes, these things are good for Christians to do, and these are not so good, or Jewish people might look at them and say, what are you doing? Like celebrating the feast. We've sure. talked about that a lot. That, that definitely falls in the invitation. Yeah. Good to understand, you know, Jesus practiced those. But what about like praying with the prayer shawl or right. something else I've seen is having the mezuzah on yeah. your doorpost. Right. I think what's more important than the what is the why. And let's split that into two categories, right? There's the why for for you, Carly, as, as, as a Gentile, as a Christian, as a lover and follower of Jesus, your internal why, right? If you're going to start praying with a prayer shawl called a talit in Hebrew, you know, mm -hmm. you've all seen them. Uh, the religious Jewish community uses them. They're used in the Jewish high holidays. Those kind of big white, usually white with some blue and some Hebrew words on the neck and you put it on when you pray. If you're going to start praying with a prayer shawl, the question you need to answer within yourself is why? Or if you're going to put up a mezuzah, that, that uh, kind of usually rectangular thing on the corner of your door that has the letter shin in Hebrew on it, which stands for El Shaddai, or Hashem, the name of God, you know, right. this name which should not be uttered, and you're going to put that on your door as a Christian, as a Gentile, the question is why, right? What, what am I doing this for? Am I doing it unto the Lord? What's my understanding of, of either the statement this makes or how this affects my relationship with God, my own faith, walk, and journey? And then secondarily, and hopefully these two things are related, my external why. Not just if another Christian asks me, wait a minute, you're not Jewish. Why are you doing this Jewish stuff? Why are right. you saying these Jewish things? Why are you keeping these Jewish feasts? What's my answer mm -hmm. and my answer for the Jewish community? And this is where I think we just have to be careful because those things can either be uh, an invitation to really awesome and deep and love-filled, uh, sincere conversation, or they can just be misleading and odd. Mm -hmm. You know, and if, if my answer is, you know, uh, if I come to you, you put a mezuzah on your door, and I'm not a believer in Jesus and Jewish community, and I go, hey, uh, I saw your mezuzah, yeah. you know, kind of, and what, th what they're not saying is, and you're not Jewish. You know, your answer shouldn't be, I put it there so that you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Right. Okay, mm, not a good bridge. But a great opportunity to talk about the, and have a conversation right. about right. it. Right, if the person at that point is still willing to have right. a conversation with you, a great opportunity. But I would say, let your internal why inform your external why. Mm -hmm. um, but just make sure, you know, are, as a Gentile, as a Christian, am I earning anything in the eyes of God by doing Jewish things, saying Jewish things, words, mm -hmm. praying in a Jewish way, keeping the Jewish holidays? No. I think that's what we have to remember. And that's, you know, I think really... Carly, that's where, that's where the term Messianic Judaism or even uh, Christians doing Jewish things, saying Jewish things, has kind of gotten a bad rap because the packaging around that has been either I'm gaining something in God by doing this in terms of righteousness or right standing or favor, which is not scripturally true, or even worse, Christians who are behaving that way turning back around to the larger Christian community and saying, and you're in sin if you're not doing these things. Right. You know, you're, you're somehow being disobedient to God. I don't agree with either of those things. And again, right. invitation based on personal com conviction or how we read the scripture versus obligation. Uh, it's one thing, you know, first of all, we shouldn't feel obligated if we don't have a Jewish background to do Jewish things or keep Jewish feasts. And 
even more so, we shouldn't obligate other Christians to do it because we're doing it. Right. And and another issue we've kind of seen is we don't want people to just be aligning with these things just to get the, the additional Jewish blessing. Right. You know, kind of like the secret, if you understand all of these Jewish secret things, then, sure. you know, you unlock a key to, sure. to receive this Jewish blessing. Right. And I think also, you know, I heard this said last year at a conference I was at, and it really sticks with me. It's become just a key, I don't know, I think about it a lot, probably a couple times a week these days. This person said, and, and she was Gentile, but she's now very much involved in, in uh, sharing, sharing Jesus, uh, sharing the Messiahship of Jesus with secular Israelis. Okay. Uh, more on that in another podcast. But she said, what I found is that a lot of Christians have a love for Jewish things without a love for Jewish people. Mm. And so I just want to appeal to our audience for a minute. If you find yourself uh, as one of these, th these million American Christians with a Jewish affinity, somehow identifying with Judaism or being Jewish or the Jewish people because of your love for or practice of or engagement with Jewish things, but your heart hasn't been impacted with the still yet unfulfilled in their entirety hopes and dreams of God according to the scriptures for Israel and the Jewish people, mm -hmm. I would just exhort you in this season, take a look at that. Yeah. Take a look at that because those two things need to be hand in glove. And I think that goes back to the why. If you're only aligned for the blessings and if some persecution would become against Jews right. and you would just get out of there. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's the other, you know, maybe, maybe you are that group or maybe you know somebody who's part of that group. If it, you know, am I saying because you love the Jewish people or, or you have a Jewish uh, extended family member or you've started keeping Jewish feasts, you absolutely cannot identify in part as a Jew. It's not mine to say. I mm -hmm. guess that's between you and the Lord and your own personal conviction. But what I will say is be very careful about saying I'm Jewish today because I want the blessings and denying that same that same uh, affirmation or same self-identification tomorrow when it gets hard for the Jewish people, whenever right. tomorrow may be. We see right. it repeating in history. So it's easy in a season when, you know, Israel's doing well and there's national security despite all the threats around it and the American Jewish community is thriving and blossoming and, you know, it's kind of popular to have a Jewish background. Look at all the people in Hollywood who do and it's very much in vogue. Right. Yeah, I'm Jewish too. Okay, wh why are you saying that? And would you be willing to say it if the tables turned and all of a sudden in America or Israel or anywhere else it suddenly became very hard for, for, for the Jewish people? Are you still going to align at that point? Are you still going to self-identify? If not, maybe take a step back from saying it today. Yeah, yeah. You know, we joke about the fact that Ezra doesn't watch a lot of sports, but basically right. we're saying don't be a fair weather fan. You know, I'm don't like just the get on watcher. the bandwagon yeah. of the, the, the Jewish people right. when, they're, when they're winning, but then not be there when they're losing as That's well. That's exactly right. To love Israel and to identify with Israel in the blessings means to identify in the hardship as well. There's yep. no picking and choosing. Yeah. And the point of this podcast isn't for us to, uh, you know, talk down to those sure. of you who do these things. Absolutely. You may be doing them with the right why and the right heart, mm -hmm. um, and you understand this. Um, but also just to think about, you know, when you have those opportunities to be able to share, whether it's with other Christians or with uh, Jewish people, when you are practicing those things. Um, and maybe you are a Christian who's never done any of those things, like celebrating the feasts, and that's yeah. something you should look, in, look into. Right. Um, you know, when... 
Passover slash Easter comes up uh, yeah. this spring, you know, look into that. What would it look like to practice in a Passover Seder? What does that mean, et cetera? Right, and as much as we've pointed out, like you said, Carly, kind of the potential pitfalls on this road, I also want to affirm the awesome things about it as well. I'm thinking of a church, and I know a couple people in leadership at this church uh, on the East Coast, where the pastor, about three years ago, in the middle of a worship service, had this encounter with the Jewish Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like the guy's been ministry leader for decades, yeah. you know, and they meet on Sundays and they do Easter and, you know, have the butter lamb and the honey baked ham and everything. And, you know, everything's great in the Christian world. And then he encounters the Jewish Jesus, much to his surprise. And he's reoriented that entire church now around not becoming Jewish or saying they're Jewish, but engaging with the Jewish feasts, praying for the salvation of the Jewish people, working and ministering among scattered Jewish communities that are underserved in the world. And, you know, Others, maybe you're listening on this podcast or maybe, you know, you, you know this church and you go, weird, what was wrong? Weren't they good enough? Just having a thriving, vibrant ministry. They're reaching mm -hmm. people in the city where they're in. Why do they got to act Jewish all of a sudden? But I, I would ask our audience, before you write people like that off, before you write faith communities like that off, be open to the possibility that may, they may have a very compelling why. Right. Internally and externally, that's based on an encounter with the Lord, an encounter with the Jewish Jesus, an encounter with what God has to say in the scriptures. And they're living it out not to show off, not to gain anything, but out of a deep conviction about something God's shown them about himself. Right, right. And I love what you said earlier, not to love Jewish things, right. but to love Jewish people. Right. That's just a great summary of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yep. So we hope that this podcast was helpful to you. Um, tune in to our other episodes this season or last season to learn more. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, if you want a chance to win a free bag of the Lost Tribes coffee, you can text JG to 474747. Um, there's more information also on our website, ajewandagentiledisgust.org. If you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Uh, please like us and subscribe there to uh, grow that channel. You can follow us on social media. If there's anything you want to have us discuss or questions that you have based on what we've talked about, please submit those questions as well. And thanks for listening to another episode, and we'll see you next week. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.